0: So thank you all very much for coming to learn with me. We're going to continue. Uh, this is a Hemshech of a previous class that we were learning, um, specifically focusing on Tzidkas atzadik Os kufir Aleph, number 111. And we need to back up for a moment. I know that we got into some rather heady topics last week. Uh, what Rav Tzadik is doing in this particular keta is that he's creating a construct that places tshuva at the center of the Jewish historical narrative. And like we said, it takes the concept of tshuva, Rav Tzaduk takes the concept of tshuva, hisam, Rav Tzadok takes the concept of tshuva in Ma'amarei Chazal uh, very seriously and brings them to their theoretical conclusions, which are oftentimes uh, rather startling or rather shocking and go against the grain of what I think we are used to accepting about what sin means, and how that impacts us in our avodas Hashem. And I want to be very clear. Um, In no place or in no way does Rav or his Rebbe endorse sin. This is all ex post facto, which is an important distinction. Um, Professor Shol makes this distinction when studying the house of Radzin and Ishbitz in his book, uh, Hasidism on the Margins. This is all ex post facto, after Ched has happened, after we find ourselves in a reality of sin. And uh, once we take the concept of tshuva, the concept of repentance to its conclusion, so then, so then pretty amazing things emerge with our perspective, our tfisat olamit, our perspective on the world and our perspective especially on the Jewish people, which is what we're going to be focusing on tonight. We could call this, when it's applied, this notion of tshuva and this notion of the redemptive nature of tshuva and the, the zikah, the connection between tshuva and reality of sin we could call it a kind of defense of Israel. And perhaps directly referencing Rav Tzadok's generation, even more so our generation, uh, this activity, this defense of Am Yisrael, um, judging them favorably, is called the activity of Sanegoria al Yisrael. Uh, we say on Rosh Hashanah, has kategor, right? we want to silence the prosecutor, we want to silence the Baldavar who calls out our sins and says how terrible we are and how miserable we are. Look how much these people sin, look how miserable they are with all their sins. But this activity of being a sanegor, this activity of being the defense attorney, maybe that resonates with you, Alan, right? The person taking somebody that looks all bad and taking somebody that looks guilty as sin and being able to somehow find even sometimes accepting the fact that the sin or the crime has been committed, accepting what that means in, in all of its ramifications and, and yet still defending them and still finding some sort of a limutzchus, some sort of a, a good word to say about them. Maybe not necessarily completely exonerating, of course, but at least finding the shorash, a root to what they've done and a root to understanding it and to framing it and in the best possible scenario erasing the sin and saying that it never happened. Um, we have other tzaddikim like this. The Barditchver Levi Yitzchak is famous for this notion of, of, of no matter you know, even even in a it's an art scroll machzer even in almost like a chutzpah de kedusha nazus de kedusha a holy kind of chutzpah, you know telling God telling God that there's nothing wrong with us, that we've been caused to sin, or we find this, in the Gemara talks about Yitzchak Avinu in discussion with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, There's a famous Pachad um, Yitzchak on Purim that talks about Palge Alach the Palga that Yitzchak Avinu says, HaKadosh Baruch half of their sins will be on you, half of their sins will be on me. And also, of course, in Rav Cook, who we talked about last week, uh, this work of Tzadik to be Matzik, to defend and to act as sanegoran shal Yisrael, the defenders and the protectors, uh, those who augur tov for the Jewish people, despite the fact that indeed uh, there is, at least on the surface, at least Lamaras anayim, there seems to be um, plenty of sin and plenty to gesture to and say how terrible it is. What I'd like to do for the shir tonight is to wrap up Piska 111, the Piska that we were learning before Sadok. and then after that, um, after that, what I'd like to do is, I'd like to get a little bit deeper into what exactly we're talking about when we talk about being a Sanegor, being a defender of the Jewish people. What exactly is the, the spiritual work that Rav Tzaddik is doing in writing this? Uh, we're gonna use some time from Rav Kook in order to express this and to show, to show the parallels between Rav Kook's thought and Rav Tzaddik's thought. And uh, I think a larger discussion, this very crucial aspect of Rav Tzaddok's thought, as seen in some of Rav Tzaddok's writings as well, we'll hopefully be able to touch upon. So let's, let's go ahead and finish. I'm gonna share my screen. Let's finish the pisgah that we were talking about last week. And uh, we really found ourselves, uh, I divided it into two pieces, and uh, we're starting in the second part. So we talked about the fact of a mitziah, of a reality of sin that's going to encompass the Jewish people that we certainly see uh, in our own day and age. And how that reality of sin is essentially the precursor to redemption, a necessary precursor to redemption in the hallmark, as it were, paradoxically, the hallmark of the generation that will be finally redeemed, the end of history for all of humanity. So V'chein Mashiach Atzmo This isn't just with the generation itself. Rav Tzadok hones in on the Messiah himself. V'chein Mashiach Atzmo noled mimakom kaze. Mashiach also comes from such a place of sin, uh, such a place of tum'ah, of impurity. That's where Mashiach comes from. Ki al benos lot velot. As is written in the Midrash Nelam. Midrash ha'nelam is a, a part of the library of the Zohar. It is a Zoharic commentary uh, on a few partials and verashas that is now woven into the book that we call the Zohar. And in the Midrash ha'nelam talks about the fact that, well, to back up for a second, the story that we're talking about is that it seems to have been indeed the end of the world. It seems to have been, uh, you know, Gafris and Melach come down on Sodom. The city of sinners is wiped out and, and, and Lot manages to escape. His, his wife, not quite. But Lot escapes from his daughters and, and we know that they essentially assumed that the world was over and that it was upon them to, to start humanity again. So they drank wine, they got drunk, and we see over here, uh, again, almost uh, in a microcosm, uh, the, the initial sin, the primordial sin of Adam and Chava, of eating from the eight Das. Uh, they get drunk. We see over here also the sin of Noah, who also thought he had witnessed what indeed was, you know, the end, well, what really was the end of the world. And they got drunk and, and, something, uh, and something shameful, happened, something disgraceful happened, that Lot and his daughters ended up c- uh, committing the sin of incest. I mean, the most ignominious thing that you can imagine, the most shameful thing, it's difficult to even talk about. However, the child that was born out of that, out of that sordid union was called Moav, which means from the father. And the Midrash Nelam says, And the Midrash Ben says, <laughs> So, both in a genealogical sense and in a spiritual sense, this marks the, the genesis of Mashiach, the genesis of redemption. From this sordid place of sin and tumah and impurity, from there comes the most beautiful, wondrous thing, which is the Messiah, which is the full redemption, which is what Rav Tzadok was charting out for our entire generation. And the Medjashnalam says that in a spiritual sense, it's likened to the Koachyei Sahara. Right? The Eight Sahara is within all of us, giving bad advice, like the daughters of Lot, and we're like Lot, that the Eight Sahara entices us, it gives us all sorts of good reasons, it, it makes a good argument, and, um, and 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 we give in and create a Mitsyas of Ra, we create a mitzis, we create a reality of sin. And that's what happened. And also genealogically, we know that David Amalek indeed comes. From this place, Mashiach comes from this place, comes from Moab. Moab is the progenitor of Rus ha and Rus is the progenitor of David, Malka, Mashiach, and the, and the Davidic line, and eventually the Messiah. So both in a genealogical sense and in a spiritual sense, it's this place of sin, it's this place of, of failing, that we find that we find the sparks of redemption, that we find the Mashiach. Vahinu tachlis <laughs> Mashiach and this represents the completion of all things that will be in the time of the Messiah. Right? Bringing everything full circle, as it were. Bringing all of history, bringing all humanity, bringing each and every one of our hearts full circle. And, and what exists within us, the completion of history that's signaled by the Moshiach. That Mashiach, in a sense, is to look at our world, which we call the Alma, the Shikra, the world of sin, the world of lies, that's filled with sin, and to be able to turn all that evil, to be able to turn all that suffering into something positive, to be able to turn it into something that is Kula tov. And that, what does that look like? So the Gemara tells us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take the Yei Zahara and is going to shecht it in front of Tzadikim and in front of Rishayim. and going to show everybody who exactly our adversary was. I've mentioned in Shul many times that the Gemara, I believe, there continues, and it says that for the tzaddikim, for the righteous, the eight is going to look like a hair's breath, and for the wicked, it's going to look like a gigantic mountain. Now, there's not enough time to talk about, uh, we, we, wrote, we sent this out to the Shul, uh, kind of a worksheet for people to look through Bechav uh, this past Shavuos, during our virtual Tikkun Lil Shavuos, we talked about the symbolism of the hair in the mountain. Um, the fact that HaKadosh Baruch for example, is midaktek in sadiq of kechut That Akash Baruch is as circumspect with the righteous and their deeds as a hair's breath. But we find that Akash Baruch is going to slaughter the Yei Sahara at the end of history. So the Messiah, the Messiah itself is, go, is the very last soul. The very la- represents the very last soul that's going to be born into this world. Maybe not necessarily the last human being, but this legend of, of an individual that's going to, to bring everything to its shlamus, going to bring all of humanity, all of creation to its, um, to its complete place. So it's important to... It's important to recognize when the Kama talks about David Amalah coming from Rus and coming from this place of sin. So one of the psukim that's cited over there is Malchuso bechol that God's dominion is in every single place in the world, even in the darkened. And even in the confusing and, and sad and strange and places of suffering, that's where God's dominion is as well. So I think it's worth asking the question. And I want to stop share for a second and see everybody. I think it's worth asking, what is that? Like, why can't God just do this by God's self? Right? Why do we have to do that work? I think that there's a... A kind of perspective I don't want to be too far out here But I think that there's a perspective That we can adopt over here In our own lives Hey Sandy, good to see you I think that there's a perspective In our own lives That we could adopt And say, you know Why, why not God Bring about this shlamus? Why do we have to go through This whole process Of, of, be, of wallowing in sin And wallowing in failure And wallowing in Tumah? Why, why must we do that? And I, I think it's predicated You know, there's an idea That the Balatanya says That within us lie Two souls. There's a Nefesh Bahamas. There's an animal soul, the instinctive, um, the soul that's steeped in sin or can be led to sin, the Nefesh Bahamas. Then there's a Nefesh Lokus. And, 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 and this is predicated on the idea that within us resides a spark of divinity, that that's the animating feature of human being and Jewish persons, that there is a, nef- a mal, that there's literally a part of God above. So if you think about it like that, which is a hard thing to do, but if you think about it like that, it's, it's not so difficult to orient ourselves towards our world and the lies that symbolize it, the lies that define it, seeing ourselves as all on a mission, and seeing ourselves as all as agents, right? The bodies that carry this chela mal, right? We're the, the, transportation devices for a soul, and seeing ourselves as the, as the ability to bring everything back each and every one of us has a job in rectifying all of this fragmentation bringing everything back to this um to this place of tikkun to this place of to this place of rectification that's so malchus b'chomashal. We recognize we are God's, God's malchus, Knessis Yisrael, which we were talking about the final sfera, which is God's representation in this world. We we are the malchus Mashallah. We're in all creation. We're in all places. We're in all types of situations, steeped in sin, at least superficially. But through that, we're able to be the ones who bring everything back, as Ritzaduk said, to tachlis hashlemus. I want to mention a, a quote over here before we jump back into it. I'll just quote you from, uh, from the Midrash Nelam. Midrash Nelam says a uh, very scary discussion. It fleshes out a little bit of discussion of the daughters of Lot and Lot and says that they actually said, when they said to the father, savinu Let's give our father wine to drink and we'll, we'll cohabit with him and we'll have a child with our father. So this, the Midrash Nelam says, Ma l'anu ha'ba nelech ven'irdof their argument was, what do we care about the world to come? What do we care about this shlemus that Rav Tzadok is describing, this completion, this bringing everything full circle? What do we care about redemption? Right? Let's go ahead and toss it all away and follow after the Sahara. And a person can make this kind of decision. I think that, that there are times when a person sins, where they just say, I'll let myself go. Right? I, I, I like to imagine death in a sort of way of just letting go, shuffling off the mortal coil, of, of releasing oneself into the darkness. Um, if you've ever been like really, really drunk, you know exactly what that feeling is, that last final grasp on consciousness, that last final grasp on having your seichel working, and then you just decide, I'm, putting, I'm going to sleep. I mean, who knows what, what, what may happen. I might choke, I might, I might not wake up, chas Shalom, But there's this notion of just letting go, of letting, of, of just releasing your grasp. And that's what Binot Lot, in the Midrash Nelam's representation of as representing the Sahar. the Sahar tells us, let go. Just let go, stop trying to hold on. Stop trying to hold things together. Just let it, let it all fall apart. Let yourself fall apart. One second, Alan, I'll get to your question in a moment. Let all us say, what do we care about the world to come? Let's in, let's at least enjoy what we have. Let's enjoy this world. Let's partake. And then, and, and, and what's interesting is that from that conclusion, from that, that place of complete surrender to the evil inclination, complete surrender to sin, to ra, to evil, from there comes the root of, of David. And, and of the Mashiach. Alan, uh, quick question, and then, and then we'll uh, continue. Well, I'm sorry to question, it's a comment. Um, that's that Midrash, but if you look at the the what seems to be the Peshat of, of the story in the Torah, plus other Midrashim, it's more like they thought the world was destroyed. Yeah, we they said that. Thought, we said and, that. And, and, right, and so they weren't giving into the Yitzhara to just forget about everything else. They were trying to recreate the world. If anything, they were trying to do a Tikkun even though it might have seemed disgusting because that was the situation they were in. Yeah, let me ask so, you a question uh, though, Alan. Is it still a sin? Is it still a sin? Uh, well, it's a showgate A showgate Because they didn't know? Because they thought that oh, the world was destroyed. I, I, don't was care, I don't care what they thought. I don't care what they thought. Was it yeah. a sin? Is that a sin? Yeah, is incest a sin? So. It's yeah. a sin. Now, what you're right. doing, what, what I'm doing is I'm sort of leading you into saying that this is something that is masik. This is something that certainly in the in the written Torah, and I want to be careful when talking about the Ishbitzer, in the written Torah of Tzadok's Rabbi of the Ishbitzer, there is deep involvement in in, in the Talmudic principle, and Nazir and and Bayes, there's a deep involvement with the notion of the noble sin, of the Aveira of, Lishma of what might be de, what might be determined elsewhere, what might be called in, in a softer version, Y readalitzurachaliya, going down in order to come up. That's 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 all part of this. But however you slice it, it's still a sin, right? No matter what they thought, and, and I think what the, what the Medrash Nelem is doing, and I think, I appreciate you shedding light on this, what I think the Medrash Nalim is doing over here is giving a different narrative, because, it, and, it's, and it's very stark on this, right? It's saying, it's saying, no matter what you think, right? Even if they thought they were doing all good, they're still a slouching off. Right There's still, a, 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 however way you look at their justification for what they did, there's a slouching off, there's, an, there's a casting off of seichel. That's what the Gemara means, well, for like example. at the very least, they could have checked out to see whether, in fact, the robots... Yeah, they, they, must, they must not have known. I mean, they must not have see. known. We have many other situations like that where, where we have the benefit of seeing everything of the omniscient view of the Torah. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, I, I would say this is most beautiful. I've talked about this in Shul and Parshas Balak, um, Parshas Balak being the only parsha in the Torah that looks at B'nai Yisrael from without rather than from within, which is a whenever you come up to it in the summer, it's kind of a remarkable experience. All this time we've been looking at B'nai Yisrael from within and then being able to see them from an outsider's point of view is a, a wondrous kind of thing, right? But we have this omniscient view of B'nos, Lot, and Loth, but they didn't. And nevertheless, in order to allow oneself to, to go down that road, which is surely sinful... So there is a kind of slouching off, and, and I think the Medrash is saying it's essentially the same thing as saying let's just live in this world, let's live in this moment, let's give let's let's relinquish our grasp on logic and seichel and mitzvot and doing the right thing. However, paradoxically, from there Ritzadok says from there comes redemption. That is a redemptive place. Let's let's go back. Um, let's go back to, to the Torah. So uva olam and in our generation here Ritzadok gives. A nod. Here, Tzadok gives a nod to the notion of Yeridas the decrease in the generations, the diminishing returns of the spiritual value of the generations, at least in the individuals and in the Torah that they learn and, and their actions and activities. It's true. In this world, the generations continue to seem to descend further and further away uh, from um, uh, further and further away from Matan Torah, from the Gilei from God's revelation at Sinai. But when in the future, in the eschaton, in the messianic age, when it will all be rectified, it will be good, which we know from Kabbalah Shabbos, which comes from the Kabbalist Roshlomo Alkabetz, right? Sometimes we forget. Lechadoti this beautiful, I mean, through what merit did Roshlomo Alkabetz uh, have his piyut become, you know, an Integral part of our liturgy and the way that we welcome the Shabbos. Um, it, well, he was a Kabbalist in the circle of the Arizal or slightly earlier in Tzvat, and we said in the 16th century, and we said, So that is sof ma'aseb ma'achshavat chila, that the end is the beginning is the end, meaning sof Maaseh ma'achshavat I think what that really means. Uh, Rav Tzadok writes in Likutei Ma'amarim, he says, Perish that, that there was a plan all along, that despite all the aliyos in Yeridos, despite all the ups and downs, we were headed towards a certain place. There was a goal. There was a plan throughout. And we tell this all of our, uh, I think a lot of our imuna, a lot of our faith is predicated on this notion. Sof t-chila, that after all is said and done, uh, you know, Sof nishma, after all is said and done, the original good thought, the original good intention, that's what's going to win out. That Sasa Takum, that God's will, uh, of, of this shlemos, of this completion, will necessarily will necessarily be borne out. You know, there's a concept in political philosophy or political science uh, called horseshoe theory. I don't know if it's debunked or whatever. Horseshoe theory says essentially in political philosophy, if I take the far right and the far left, if I take the extremes so they start to bend towards one another and the parallels between them become so, eventually, in a long enough timeline, parallels between what initially seemed to be the most extreme opposites eventually converge. And I think what I would say spiritual horseshoe theory is essentially saying that, that the depths of sin, the depths of, of disgrace, the depths of tumma, eventually arc towards, um, arc, in, like, like Dr. King's statement, right? The, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. So the, 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 the arc of, of sin is long. The arc of human failing is long, but it bends towards Shlemus. But it bends towards bringing those two ksavos, those two extremes together. Sov ma'asev And this is also, Rav Tzadok uses another, another concept, this time from Tanakh, and not from uh, 16th century Tzvat. Rav Tzadok says, V'sod ha'chayos rotsa kimara bazak. So this comes from the Nevuah of Yicheskel, and uh, we could give an entire series on the spiritual concept of Ratz HaVeshov. Ratz is running and returning, running and returning. and It's a religious experience in general. We have moments, peak moments, and then we have downtime. We have peaks and valleys, which is how we experience our lives. There was some poet that said, I like life like this, up and down, up and down, up and down. There's an excitement in it, and there's also something beautiful about seeing the extremes and seeing the, the extremes kiss. So in, in the Radak says that, and this is Yecheskel seeing the Maizah Mekava, seeing, you know, the, the brilliance of his revelation uh, after destruction, right? like lightning, seeing the Chayos, seeing these celestial beings running back and forth and returning. So the Radak says, like lightning, like lightning strikes earth, a massive illumination, a massive burst of energy, of power To light up the night like day And then in a moment it's gone That's how spirituality And that's how it's, this interplay between sin Between sin and, um, and rectification Between fragmentation and shleimus and completion That's how that works So from the place in which we find that kedusha had stopped from the place in which we find that, that God's chiyas, that God's energy in the world, that spirituality is gone, that's where it begins again. And we find that this becomes the main way in which we experience the world. This will be the main way in which the world is revealed to us at the end of time. As the rabbis told us in Mesechas Pesachim, so in Psachim there's a story of Rav Yosef, and uh, Rav Yosef, the son of Rabbi Yeshua, was sick, and um, he went into a coma, or he went into uh, he lost consciousness. and when he regained his consciousness, he came back and he says, "Olam ra'isi." He told his father, he says, "I have seen an upside-down world." Uh, ostensibly from his time above, from the sila the shama, from the place that he lost his soul. So his report, his trip report to his father was that he saw an upside down world. You know what his father said to him? His father said, no, my son. He said, olam barar isa. He, he said, you saw the clear world. In a sense, this gives light to the notion. This gives, this helps explain the notion that the world that we, lived in, that we live in is indeed an alma de shikra, a world of lies. And that, with, when when things come to shleimus, when we find that completion, when we find that ark fully complete, when we find, when we, where we find uh, David in Sedom, that's when we that's when we get to see the olam bar. That's the clarity. It will be like a dream, right? The unbelievable. We'll wake up from this, and we'll see that that all of this, b'shoreresh, in its source and in its root, was all good. So. That's the end of the Pisgah. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about Rift Sa- what Rift Saduk is doing here. There's a lot of sources, a lot of ideas over here. And, and, and you get the sense of something numinous, something divine, something radical also. So, I, I, in order to explain it with the time that we have left. So, I want to mention a certain Rabbi Chaim Hirsch. Rabbi Chaim Hirsch is a choker, he's a scholar and a Talmud Chacham. And he wrote a sefer called Avast Sedek. And the book Avast Tzedek is entirely muktash, It's entirely dedicated to the concept of sanigurial, Yisrael, of defense of the Jewish people in the Mishnah, and the thought of Rav Tzedek and Rav Kuk. And there, there are massive parallels. I'm going to show you one of them tonight and, um, in Yerat Hashem. And in this realm, he also, by the way, wrote uh, the first comprehensive mafteach, the first index to Rav Tzedek's writings, a massive undertaking, um, so in order to better understand what Rav Tzaddik is doing here and what creates the tension that we find between sin and rectification, between good and evil, between Tumah and Tara, the, te- the, the tension between these things, in order to better understand that tremendous tension within Rav Tzaddik's Torah. So I want to I wanna look at some sources that speak to this. And, and I think uh, in order to understand it, uh, maybe we'll utilize something from Rav Kook, if that's okay. So we're going to use something from Rav Kook. Uh, three particular sources from a cook. I'm going to run out of time and I apologize. So this comes from Orod. Orod, you have to remember, was a book that was burned by the zealots of Yerushalayim after it was printed first in the 20s. Avis Yisrael Shal al Haklau. Loving the Jewish people and the work. Can you guys see what I'm sharing? No. Oh, um, one second. Just point to where it is. One so second. You- let, me, let me reshare. Share. Can you see now? Yeah. Ah, excellent. So this comes from Orot. And I didn't come up with these uh, parallels. This comes from uh, Rabbi Hirsch. And he writes, he quotes of Cook over here. Cook says very quickly, Avos Yisrael, the love of the Jewish people, and the work of defending them. And seeing the good, even amidst all the bad, ala la defending the cloud, Am Yisrael as a nation, Vala Pratim, and Am Yisrael as individuals, as real people. It's not just some emotional work, not just some, some nice thing that we do. This is one of the great activities of learning Torah and understanding Torah deep abiding wisdom and, and, and understanding that a person needs to have from this, an expansive view of what Torah means. There's many different hashlachos, many different ramifications to this work of Sanegoria, defending individuals and the, the nation and loving the Jewish people. To understand that each and every soul and each and every activity and each and every Jewish person and the activity of defending them that's something that comes from the Torah chesed, from, from the, the aspect of Torah which is expressed through loving kindness. And Ravkuk continues in two, two, two piskos later in Orot, he says, And Rav Kook revs it up, but he goes even faster and says even more radical, sh'anachnu oavim es uma The great love that each one of us is, by the way, has a mitzvah, Right, we must. Right, we don't have a choice with this. Even though it seems many people make a choice and they choose to see only the bad to be kategor. Right, the, the work of the sanegar. Even though we love with a great love and avaraba our nation and the people in it, even those that look very different than us, even those that we want to judge very easily. It shouldn't blind us from the fact that we need to also be able to criticize we also been able to need to see the blemishes in the Jewish people and to be able to be mevaker, to criticize it. But even after all the criticism and even after all the judging and even after all the things we could point to and say that that's not right, we still find at the end of the day that at the end of the day the Jewish people are still completely devoid of any imperfection, devoid of any blemish. Now that's... A wild thing to say. And Rav Kook quotes from Shir Shirim mm-hmm. you're, you're completely beautiful, my beloved. There is no blemish in you. So let's pause here for a second. Once we understand what Rav is. I mean, if you think that that's radical, you're going to find in the next pisgah from Rav that I'm going to teach um, something and which almost has an exact parallel. An exact parallel in, in Rav Sadok. Maybe that's too much. Not exact, but has a parallel in Ruf Tzadok. We're going to find even more of this radical sanegoria on Kalalya, so this radical defense of the Jewish people. So as Rav Hirsch says, Rav Kook's words need explanation. right? We have to understand what exactly Rav Kook is talking about. Really, there seems to be an inherent contradiction in the final pisgah, in the final thing that we just learned from Rav Kook. On the one hand, if we are freely and openly criticizing the blemishes on and of our people, doesn't it indicate that there are indeed faults, flaws, and blemishes? I mean, there must be if there's what to criticize. And if so, how can Rav Kook cite Shir in the end, saying, bach, And yet there is no blemish. How does that work? Which is it? Is there a blemish? Are there faults? Are there problems? Are there things to criticize? Or, or are we all good? Are we all perfect? Are we all beautiful? Which one is it? Rav Kook seems to have a contradiction here. It seems to be a steer So obviously, and I think the way to resolve this, obviously tremendous effort needs to be exerted in order to overcome, and this by the way is in relationships, this is in our dealings with other people, this is in everything that we see, even the way that we treat ourselves, the way that we understand ourselves, to be able to forgive ourselves, to be able to forgive our own flaws and our own blemishes and to be able to embrace who we truly are. I think it's part of that. What kind of effort? What kind of exertion is necessary in order to see beyond the blemishes, in order to see past those blemishes, which indeed are there, right? We have a, we have, we, we're chov of of says, to be mevaker. If we truly love, then we're chov shi. You know, Alan, we were talking about in halacha, with these concepts of icheach, techichas, You should surely reprove your co-religious, amisecha implies a closeness. That's why we quoted from the covid shiurim. we quoted from, um, we quoted from and Wasim and, and we quoted from the Chafetz Chaim and the Bira Lacha. We quote that, apparently quote directly from Atana de Eliyahu that uh, there are certain Jews that through by dint of their sin can lose, can lose the quality of Amisecha, and therefore you can no longer, you're no longer, you know, you no longer have the obligation to remove them from sin even. But there's, it implies, Amisecha implies a closeness, implies that you need to be close to them in order to be mevakered, in order to criticize so I think as Rav Cook writes, lives, and says as he does, so does Rav Tzadok. And so to phrase it differently, how does one see beyond the mum? How does one see beyond the blemish? How do, how do we do that work? How do we get to the level of Rav Tzadok to write what we just saw in Pisgah Kuf Yod Aleph, of where Mashiach, where redemption comes from, what the, what the generation of the redemption looks like, steeped in sin, and also, how Rav Cook describes the Jewish people. I think that the answer lies in dwelling on two things. And the first thing that we need to focus on is that the main activity, the main act of being a sanegor, of being a defender, is in focusing, understanding, and internalizing, studying not just the sin itself, but what the source of the sin is. Right? Like, that, like what you said before, Alan. Like, let's understand, let's get into the minds of Lot and his daughters. Let's try and understand what the source, right? What what exactly is the influence of Sodom on those kind of people that this is the activity that the survivors have, right? What's the source of the sin? And you may find statements like this in Rabbi Land's famous coinage, you know, we reject the sin but embrace the sinner. Activity like that is, I think, all anafim, is all branches, is all offshoots of this kind of perspective on Jewish people, especially when they sin and on the world, especially when it seems uh, to, be, to be broken and fragmented. And the second thing, after we focus on the source of the sin and try to understand what's behind the sin, what the pneumius what the inner aspect of the sin is, not just what we see on the outside, so doing at the same time, we employ what the gamut of Torah knowledge has to say about tshuva, as we've seen. Rav says says tshuva is the act of being motzi yakar mizolel, Turning carry, turning happenstance into Yakar into preciousness, turning sin into something redemptive. one final piece, and maybe we'll, um, maybe we 'll pause from tonight. you know'm um, about to run out of time, so listen to this. Ruf Cook shows us what this looks like before. <speaking in Hebrew> anything that we read in the Torah. Or in the works of Chazal, <speaking in Hebrew> that can loosen or can eke away at our love for the Jewish people and their individual. <speaking> in <Hebrew> Even as relates to the worst kind of sinners. Right? We're talking bad people. <speaking in Hebrew> It is all a test for us, the beholder. It's all a test for us how we can be able to overcome that, to be able to deploy Avas Yisrael. And this is a much larger subgir, right? Of course, of course. you know, there's a, a side of this. It's a side of this, right? those who love God hate sin. Right? But Rav Kook says all of these things that we see in the Torah. are Nisionos How we can rise to the level of loving Hashem's people and therefore loving Hashem? Bein kul, until you could find the way, a path through all the contradictions, all the seeming contradictions of this contradiction of umum ein bach that you have no blemish and freely criticizing the sins, be able to navigate that way. If we do that, love for the Jewish people, love for all of creation, will be, will be firmly cemented in our hearts, living and strong, without any doubts or without any problems at all. That's what we mean. So you know Rav Cook, right, that we could talk a lot more, and we're going to move away from Rav Kook in the, in the next year, but um, going back to Rav Hadari Zetzal's essay, k- Shnei Koanim Gedolim, Rav Kook and Rav Tzadok. So Rav Hadari says, you know, you can't really talk about an influence, you can't really talk about an influence of Rav Tzadok and Rav Kook's writing, because by the time Rav Tzadok's writing started to be published and started to find their way to Eretz Yisrael and to be distributed, they were never widely distributed. Sort of, Cook had already finished with most of his Torah writing in Yafo. Pinkasa Yafo and Kvatzim from Yafo were done. But there were some points of connection, I would say rather than them influencing one another, we find their thought paralleling one another. Of course, even the biography, uh, the Litvisha Lamdanus, Cook learned the Shivas Falashin, uh, even had Litvish, uh even from his, mother, uh, from his mother's side, he was Hasidic, from his father's side, from his father in law's side, the Adares. So we find that, and then a deep connection to Tnimiya Satora to Kabbalah, and even Rav Cook's case Chassidus, as Rav Hadari outlines as well uh, through a, a general survey of Rav Cook's writings. Uh, we also find that, for example, uh, Rav Tsaduk's stepson-in-law uh, sent a copy of pre Saduk and Vayikra to Rav Cook with a um, with a Hakdasha with an author's introduction. Rav Hadari has this amazing quote over here. Rav Hadari quotes from Rav Cook's. Um, son, Rav Cook's son Ritzvi Yehuda, who uh, heard this from Rav Cook's maskir, from Rav Cook's, um, from Rav Kook's, from Rav Cook's secretary when Rav Cook was in Poland. Rav Cook said the following: "Anachnu omnam we do meet, referring to Rav Tzadok and himself. Avalhu, referring to Rav Mit mitbate de radakalit charifami dai." Rav Kook, who wrote the words that we just saw, said that yes, the thought and the and the the way that Rav Saduq and I see the world, and the way that our Torah manifests in our writings, so there there's so many points of contact, especially in this area of and Shal Yisrael, and we could spend the whole time in that sefer of Avist Tzedek, which outlines this. Of course, of Namanachnu our thought in this defense the Jewish people meets. However, Rav Kook said, and this is an amazing thing for Rav Kook to say, "Zechadik Levracha." that uh, Rav Tzadok is more radical, that Rav Tzadok is more, uh, is more out there. So we'll, uh, we'll conclude with what I think Rav Cook might be gesturing to. Let's take a look in the final Torah from tonight. So this comes from an entire Sefer. And remember, Rav Tzadok's Rebbe, the Ishbitzer, especially as we see in his writings, Ishbitzer is constantly doing this. You know, for example, talking about taking the most terrible stories, the most terrible stories of sin and being able to extract from that something redemptive is indeed something that we find in the Mea Loach. Famously, for example, the Masa of Zimri and Cosby, which is, you know, the first thing that comes up whenever anybody talks about the Ishbitzer, That, you know, they weren't really sinning, but that they saw that they were each other's... When they cohabited in front of everybody, they saw that they were each other's, uh, you know, soulmates, and that there was a redemptive process here, and that Pinchas didn't see it, but Zimri did... There is this looking at, at, at these stiras, right? A deep mum. How could a Nazi be Yisrael? How could a leader of the Jewish people sin like that? Finding a deep, deep blemish and seeing the good in it is what the does. With the Meraglim, also with all these people, this is what's seen. So Rav Tzadok may be charged by his rabbi. wrote an entire sefer, which centers around this concept of Yisrael Kedoshim. We called Yisrael Kedoshim, holy people of Israel. Listen to this and we'll finish with this. Sadok says The Jewish people the is destroyed and the Jewish people are exiled and they and they go from the, the place of the highest sanctity they're sent to a place of the, the lowest right the lowest Bilbo, Bavel, confusion and destruction nevertheless Wherever the Jewish people are exiled, even even in the greatest hester, even in the greatest hiddenness and distance from the beis hamikdash and from what was understood as Kiddusha, the Shechina went with us. God kiviyachol traveled with us in all our perigenations of history. The God told us, the Navi says, even when they're in the lands of their enemies, I have not. Right? This is a, a, a people that surely sinned. And lost their temples and lost their land and lost their sovereignty because of their sins. And God says, I still have not completely given up. I still have not not at all. I've not despised or, 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 or moved them away. You can't be pushed away completely from God. I am God that dwells with you amidst your impurity. And talk about defense of Israel. No matter what we do, we can never be fully separated from the Shorish, from the root of kedushah of sanctity, the Sof. And at the end, just like we saw in this Torah, Kufyadal of Galu Kulam Afosim Shenitmu at the end all of us will be redeemed. Every aspect of the Jewish people, even the ones that seem seemingly the worst, completely assimilated amongst the peoples and nations. Legamre, completely. Vishallah the people that can't do it on their own, the people that won't be able to do truth on their own, they too will be redeemed by dint of the shush, the fact that they are Yisrael Kedoshim. That's Sanigore al Yisrael. This is maybe what Rav Cook says, the radicalness that he saw in Rav Tzadok's Torah. And this talks about a passage, so we're So we're going to skip over that. So we're going to skip over that. So we're going to skip over that. The ones that are most distant, the ones that are most far away, those are the ones that will be brought closest to Kedusha, closest to holiness. This is, I think, this point of contact in the Sanagoria, in the defense of the Jewish people that Rav Tzadok, uh talks about. And this is, exactly, uh, this is exactly the idea that I think is borne out by this Torah and Kofya Dalif. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, concept next week, I, I intend to go ahead and dwell on another aspect of Tzadok's Torah, but um, but that will be for tonight.